today. I can't wait to talk to you about your topics and your new book. Thanks for having me. All right, you're welcome. Now, you wrote a book about um, Jeffrey Epstein, and you've got some really startling statements that you make for most people who don't know or are familiar with the inner workings of what's going on with this person. Um, let's start with the first. First, tell our audience the name of your book. It's called The Godfathers of Sex Abuse, and this is book one, Jeffrey Epstein. There's a second book coming right around the corner. All right. How did Jeffrey Epstein get so rich? Well, that's sort of a mystery, but now that a lot of things have happened and news has come out, we know a couple of things. One is that his former partner, Stephen Hoppenberg, and he were basically stealing money from the clients. They were misappropriating a large amount of money. And Stephen Hoffenberg went down for 18 years. He's got out of prison about a year ago. But somehow Jeffrey Epstein skated right through it and didn't suffer any consequences. And he went on to befriend Les Wexner and stole about $46 million from his close buddy, uh, Mr. Wexner, and uh, gave it back. But during this time, he was working in pyramid schemes and was basically using money he took from people without telling them um, against the law and then paying the newer investors with the uh, older investors money and things like that. So this is a man who was a very high-end con artist. What about all these younger women? I mean, there's sexual uh, abuse, there's traffic, um, Posse scheme, scheme recruiting schemes. I mean, what's all that about? I haven't heard any of the inner workings of it, just that, you know, he, he was, uh, um, if you will, kind of a pimp and uh, to high level people, and that's it. You've got some inner workings on this. Well, Jeffrey Epstein has a lot of problems, or, or had, I guess, everyone's reporting he's um, dead now, but um, what he did is use Ponzi schemes in all sorts of situations, not just with money. He also had this bizarre need to um, deflower girls, and so he didn't really want them much generally after he was with them one time. What he would do is um, be with them one time and then turn them into scouts to go find more girls. So he wanted lots and lots and lots of girls, and he was going through two to three girls a day for years around the early 2000s uh, in Palm Beach, and he um, would pay them $200 for a massage, but massage was really a code, and the girls knew that. They were mostly you know, told up front, um, they have to get down to their underwear, maybe all the way naked, and just massage him, and then he would basically uh, take care of himself in front of them. And sometimes they'd go further, and he did rape um, at least one girl forcibly, um, then gave her a thousand for that particular day because he did rape her. He did apologize for it. Um, he's a very, was a very strange person, um, but he used these sort of con artistry schemes in every facet of his life. Fooled a lot of people, tricked a lot of people, wanted to be around really smart scientists and billionaires, and um, I think fundamentally had a very low self-esteem um, based on his behavior. Who were who the, the people in the play? Who helped him? to get these schemes and these women? Well, there's layers and layers of enablers, as there were in Harvey Weinstein's case and in Bill Cosby's case. And um, Weinstein and Cosby are going to be discussed in detail in the second book coming out. But with Jeffrey Epstein, I think the main 
um, player would be uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. And they've been called two perverts in a pod by one reporter. Um, they just hooked up and got very, very tight. They were romantically involved for some time. Um, and her father was Robert Maxwell, um, who was extraordinarily rich and actually um, bumped heads with Rupert Murdoch to get certain companies. They, they're all into media. They're all into owning uh, news media. And that's their way of controlling their public images. So Ghislaine was a person who... Uh, by all accounts, and loved Jeffrey to do anything for him, and he turned her into a master scout. In fact, she found Virginia Roberts on Mar-a-Lago property when Virginia had just turned 16 and looked much younger. And um, when Trump found out, apparently he really got very, very angry and banned Jeffrey Epstein from Mar-a-Lago um, because of his abuse of the underage girls. But he had so he had Ghislaine, and then he had. Um, the girls, uh, the sort of pyramid scheme of girls who would go out and get $200 for each other girl they brought in. So he'd get the 16-year-old girls to go and find 14-year-old girls, um, younger girls. And, you know, when a girl's working at the mall, which a lot of them were working at the shopping mall, and a 16 or 17-year-old girl approaches them, they'll talk to her because they're just a little bit older than, than the girls that they're looking to you know, to reel in for Jeffrey Epstein. So we had these layers and layers of people and they were all getting paid. Everyone along the way was getting paid a lot of money considering they were making, you know, $7 an hour at the mall. I got it. Did he commit suicide or did he, uh, was he murdered? I don't think there's any real chance he committed suicide based upon all the evidence and his personality and his MO overall. He just isn't, frankly, isn't tight. Um, murder, that's, I guess, the other alternative. Um, the more you find out about this man, though, the more you have to wonder, you know, he had billionaire friends. If anyone could afford, you know, an elaborate escape, it would be him. So I, I can't say he's even dead. The news media has been terribly, terribly uh, not forthcoming with the public. And so we really can't believe anything they tell us. So I don't know if he's dead or alive, but I do not believe he committed suicide. Okay, what leads you to believe that there's a possibility he could be out there some other way and there was an elaborate escape plan and um, he's, he's not dead? Well, I don't know. I think the one thing we know for sure is the news media has not been forthcoming. And so when that is the case, you never really know, you know what to believe. Um, there's a lot of pieces of evidence though that just don't add up. For one thing, um, the cameras were all off at the time that he supposedly died. Well, that would definitely make it impossible to know who got into his cell. It also would make it possible for him to walk right out of that cell and there would be no footage. You know, the guards were there 15 feet away and say they didn't hear anything. That doesn't make a lot of sense. One of the guards was a substitute. Um, they falsified their records. Now they've been arrested. Um, the ambulance came and um, the call came in at either 6.30 or 6.36, depending on who believe. And you know, he didn't show up at the hospital for an hour. And it's a five minute drive based on Google Maps. So where were they all that time? There's a lot of questions. And where were all the reporters? And people knew this man was very well known. He knew extremely famous people, extremely powerful world leaders. And I would think there'd be a whole group of reporters just, you know, fighting to get those photographs. And yet there was only apparently one photographer getting photos of Jeffrey Epstein between the ambulance and the hospital. 
And another thing they did is someone took off the Ambu bag off his face. Well, that's completely against protocol. You never stop bagging a patient until they're in the hospital and, and with um, the personnel in the hospital. And that's what one of my students told me, who's a nurse. And she said, this is just really weird. Why did they take the bag off his face? If he's alive, you never stop bagging the patient. If he's dead, his face would be covered. So there's so many pieces of evidence. And I go through it in my last chapter of the first book coming out any day now and sort of explain that there's just too many loose ends. We just don't know. I get it. All right. Um, and the next book that you're going to write, what are, are you going to cover in that book? That's going to cover uh, Harvey Weinstein's um, you know, operations and what they're calling the Weinstein sexual enterprise and how he got away with it. And one of the things that keeps popping up is the same lawyers are involved in a lot of these cases and the same politicians. So it almost seems like a network at the top and these people are going to you know, immunize or try to uh, immunize the predators because they're in tight with them for whatever reason, whether it's money or they're all involved in the same type of sexual behavior. There sure seems to be a lot of pedophilia out there. The more you look at these cases, um, another case, a book written by Nick Bryant years ago um, about the Nebraska situation and, and you know, this enormous body of work came out and no one even talked about it. it, didn't really hit the news, which is surprising. And one of the reasons why everyone wanted to get their hands on Jeffrey Epstein's little black book with all the names of people who may have been involved is because people were looking to see the same names, um, you know, in the, in the Nebraska situation and also in this newer um, situation with Jeffrey Epstein. So it looks like there's a group out there that's extremely powerful and they have some problems with sexuality. Where can we get your new book? It'll be on Amazon.com in just a few days. Um, it's literally being approved right now with the press, and then it takes a day or two to upload onto Amazon. So it should be on um, for sale on Amazon within a day or two. Great. Dina, thank you for being a guest on our show. I hope to hear more from you. Thanks, Michael. You're welcome. You've been watching CEO Money with Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. And don't forget, download our new app on our website, WFN1. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining.